Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up. Cup your hand, your iPhone, your iPad. Just don't slap your spouse. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're glad you're here today. We welcome all of you watching online. Uh, as you prepare for a, an Oklahoma week, it's going to be pretty. Not. Anyway, um, you know, a lot of great things happening in spite of all that we hear uh, on the news media and, and, and all the things going on in the world. Uh, God is still on the throne, hasn't moved, hasn't abdicated his position, and he never will. Uh, and the question really isn't whether God is on the throne. The question is whether God's on the throne of our hearts. And uh, so as I finish this series, hopefully today, entitled Grace Anatomy, and begin to just help us to see, as I said last week, when you understand grace, you realize that your works are just your works. You, you don't work to be saved. You don't work to get grace. You don't work to get favor. God bestows those or gives those to us. Now, what we do with those is a different story. That's our responsibility. What, what, what am I going to do with grace? Uh, most of the time, we, we measure people, other people differently than we, we measure ourselves. And uh, some of you are really, really good people, and, and I admire that and applaud that. And, but, but you're no better than the bad person when you stand before God without receiving Christ. And this is very difficult for some people because they look at their works as uh, points toward getting God's attention or going to heaven. And that's just not the case. So last week I talked about works. You could tell somebody's in works if they've lost their joy. Uh, because if you depend on your good works to make you happy or God happy, uh, you're going to be disappointed an awful lot if you're honest with yourself and realize that God loves you not because of your works but because of His work and what He did when He sent Jesus. Uh, uh, a life of strife and pressure is an indication maybe that you don't understand grace. You're always feeling stressed and you're always in strife and you're always under pressure. That tells me you're probably trying to perform and maybe not giving enough to God. There are times in our lives when we feel very skilled and capable, and we begin, and there's nothing wrong with that, but in everything that we do, no, how, no matter how skilled or capable we are, we need to include God and invite God into that situation. And we put ourselves under pressure when we don't. Um, number three, an unhealthy consciousness of other people. You're overly aware of everyone else. And that may mean that you're working for their approval. You're, you're working for their praise. 
and uh, that you're measuring your life against their life, how good you are against how bad they might be. And uh, that, that will bring you undue pressure and stress. And then a failure to enjoy life. There are people that don't enjoy life because uh, they don't understand that God really is in control. And in a world filled with chaos, we may oftentimes think God doesn't or is not involved in not doing enough. But the reality is the Bible says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. And what the devil meant for harm, the Bible says God will turn for good. So we, we have to, in, a, in a, a world that is ever-increasing in sin, that means the world's ever-increasing in grace. Because where sin abounds or increases, grace even more abounds and increases. And so we don't need any more trouble than we have, but all the trouble that the devil can dish out on the world, God's always overcoming that and overshadowing that with grace. One person said, disagreements and misconceptions about grace have been an issue since the early days of Christianity. Already, the Apostle Paul felt the need to constantly set wrong things right. Just like in the New Testament, the two biggest misconceptions about grace today are that people either try to earn it or neglect the importance of responding to it. People either overemphasize their part while underestimating God's part or the other way around. It is crucial that we have a biblical understanding of grace because misunderstood grace will make us live either tortured when we're trying to earn His grace or meaningless when not cooperating with His grace before God. So you can see the turmoil, the people who think they're good enough and the people who, will th who think they're never going to be good enough. So it's a constant battle and, and seeming, seemingly tension rules a world that really is trying to figure out how to live this life. And here's the great challenge, is that when we come to Christ and we commit our lives and we submit our lives to Him, we are coming under the grace of God. And in that moment, things change forever. I don't know how many of you can remember when you were saved. I was saved on July 17th years ago. I'm not going to give you the year. But I will give you the month and the date. And, and in that moment, the reason I remember it, because I had a life-changing moment. And why did I have a life-changing moment? Because of the grace of God, not the works of Mark. It was a life-changing moment. The problem and challenge is that many people have a moment that never becomes a lifestyle. That moment was very special. They treasure it. They remember it. But they say, I, nothing's been the same. I just haven't been able to live up to the standards of God. What you're really telling me is I haven't been able to live up to the standards of other Christians who judge me. God understands your weakness. God understands the addictions you're fighting. God understands. And I'm not saying that God is like looking the other way. God is looking straight at you, drawing you, and calling you. The problem is that we come under grace, we get saved by grace, and we're going to heaven. 
and you've heard me say it many times, the challenge really isn't about going to heaven. And religious people hate it when I say that. That's not the challenge. The Bible says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't say all who call on the name of the Lord, obey every detail of the law, never make a mistake, and never sin shall be saved. It doesn't say that. It says all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And, and so the devil can't stop that. When you get born again, that gra the grace of God comes, the forgiveness of God comes. Now the next challenge, what the devil does, is he realizes they're going to heaven. There's not a whole lot he can do about that because he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So his goal now is to keep you from experiencing God while you live. Which is a travesty and a tragedy that we forfeit God's relationship with us because we really don't understand the grace of God. Now, I know that, that this is... I get around religious people all the time. I'm around religious people. And I'm around a few Christians. And they're very, very different. Followers of Jesus understand that our role in this is, is not to produce, but to be produced. I can't produce anything good enough to make God love me more I just can't. Now, I can obey God, and out of that obedience, the blessings of God come. Not discounting the need to be obedient. And again, I'm going to reiterate some things I've said for weeks. This is not about you being good. It's about you being obedient. And out of obedience comes goodness. But a lot of people want to be good and skip the obedient part. I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to be good. I'm going to be on time. But you have no grace for other people. You, you, you act like that your works are what define you and define your relationship with God. Now, I want to do good, but I only want to do good out of obedience. Okay, so let me help with this, and this is something that, that I want you to process. For instance, if you are good to someone, and when I say good, let's just say somebody is absolutely disregarding in their relation. I'm just going to use a religious person versus a lost person. And, and you know, and, and I'm going to really probably irritate some people, which is a real gift that I have. Because it, 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 is, it, it affects everyone, everyone. What you do with your money affects you. So if you say, I don't believe in tithing, I think I don't think I don't believe in it. I, I think it was Old Testament. You haven't read the New Testament, or you would go to Matthew, and it would say it, uh, it would address the issue. Tithing made it through the cross. So, if I say to you, "Well, you know, you're, you're having struggles. You're, you're broke, busted, and disgusted on a good day," and and over time I keep giving you money, what I'm saying to God is, God, I think your word is wrong because He said if you tithe. He's actually in Malachi 3, it says you're robbing him if you don't. So you can rob God, and then I'm going to bless you for robbing God. You say, well, isn't it good to give to people? It's good if, if those people understand, I'm going to help you this time, but here's what you need to understand. If you don't obey God, I can't keep helping you because even God won't help you. I know I'm, I'm on very thin ice but I really don't care. 
Because here's the reality. I could, you could say, well, isn't it good to give? No, what I'm really doing is I'm being disobedient to God because they're being disobedient to God, and their disobedience has drawn me in, and I'm being disobedient. So you've got to understand. You've got to be very careful. Because then you become an enabler of disobedience. Now, you can get mad at me. You can think I'm wrong all you want. You don't want to have this argument with me. I got scripture and verse, and you can have your opinion about whatever you want. But when the word of God is so clear on certain issues, you need to obey those, those words. And, and so what happens is now my goodness is not really good because they're disobeying God. The father of the prodigal son let him go. And he said, here's your money. This is your inheritance. This is what I promised. And when he, it says when he came to his senses, he waited. He didn't go after the son. He didn't go find him in the pig pen. He didn't go look in the, the bars. He just waited. He said, I can't help you anymore. I was good to you once, and you squandered my goodness, and now your disobedience has cast you in to a pig pen. And not until your repentance can I now help you again. Now, please understand, this has nothing to do with love or the lack of love because God is love and God loves everybody. The problem is we throw love, well, if you really loved me. See, that when somebody says, if you love me, they're manipulating you. Well, if you love me, here's what you would do. It doesn't really matter whether you love me or not. My job is to love you. And if I start saying, if you love me, I'm really saying, well, you know, now, this is, I'm going to put this on you instead of saying, I'm going to love you because whatever you sow, you reap. So if you're not being loved, you may not be sowing. Oh, somebody. That should have made you really happy. Yeah. So if somebody says, well, I'm just not loved. Well, you must not be loving. I just get no grace. You must not be giving any. Because I promise you, the principles of God are true. So you say, well, you know, I, 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 nobody's giving me anything. Well, you're not giving anybody anything. I remember giving $180,000 away because I didn't have enough money to build a building. And I thought, well, I can't build it with 180000 but if I sow it, God will grow it. It ended up happening. Now, I learned that from one of my mentors. He said, we don't have enough money to build, so we're going to give it away. You see... These principles defy human logic. This is the problem. We are so smart that we think we're smarter than God. Instead of saying, I'm going to try what God said do, and I'm going to see what happens. Yeah, get ready. Fasten your seatbelt. That's good. Well, the preaching and that, I I wasn't getting enough help from down there, so I just helped myself. I encourage myself in the Lord. You ain't going to encourage me. I got enough of me to encourage me. And you'll be saying he's all arrogant. No, I'm just obeying the word of God. God loves me so much, I, sometimes it just makes me embarrassed. See, when you feel that way, nothing in the world around you really matters because you you're, you're inside, you're all secure in Jesus. You'll really irritate religious people when you talk like I talk. You'd be better off to drop some bombs on them than talk like this. they okay with some of that, but when you start telling them how much God loves you and that they can get in line behind you, 
What do you mean? God doesn't love you more than me. Oh, yes, he does. Now, I know you think I'm being silly, but here's the reality. When you go after God's love, because God's love is after you, when you connect with those, you live in a world where it doesn't matter who else loves you or not. And, and this really sounds scary because some men, some women are so insecure about their marriage or their relationship that they're relying on their spouse to make them happy, healthy, and whole. And the reality is that's not why you're married to them. We're expecting other people to do for us what Jesus has already done for us. Now, you don't need to have a dumb spouse. I wasn't pointing any fingers at anybody. I made a statement. You don't need a dumb spouse. And I'm not talking about book smarts. Hopefully, I'll have this refined by 11 o'clock. Galatians chapter 2, verse 17, out of the message. Have some of you noticed that we are not perfect? No great surprise, right? And are you ready to make the accusation that since people like me who go through Christ in order to get things right with God aren't perfectly virtuous, hello. You know, some people get saved, and when they do, the people that are glad they got saved ruin their salvation by telling them now what they got to do. Cut your hair, don't do this, don't wear that. And all of these religious things have killed a lot of people that, in their spirit, of wanting to be born again. Because there is no grace. In religion, there is no grace. It's all about works. Now, please understand, I'm not saying... Matter of fact, when you really get saved and you understand grace... You should be a far better person than any person that's trying to work because out of the innermost being of your soul, you are truly loving people. You're extending grace to people. You're being nice to mean people. It doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. But it does mean that when you encounter them, you're going to treat them like Jesus treats you every time he encounters you when you wake up a sinful creature in the morning. Because some of y'all dream and sin. Have you ever woken up repenting? God, I'm so sorry I had a dream last night. I don't know. Yeah, you have. I know I'm pushing buttons right now. Where you wake up and, oh, dear Jesus, did I, was I? That? I'm telling you, the devil will use you while you sleep. He'll attack you while you're awake. He'll attack you while you're working. He'll attack you anywhere, anytime. So we always have to be on our game. And then when you fail, because we do this, I, I'm telling you, we, we, we are surrounded. And sometimes we're the dumb ones. But, I mean, because, you, you know, you do dumb things too. But I'm, I'm telling you, we're surrounded by a fallen, dumb world. You just wonder what God is doing in heaven. I, I mean, I cannot wait to meet Jesus. And I just want to go, how did you do it? I would have knocked them into the next millennium. I wouldn't even have given them a chance. You're not passing go. You're going straight to hell. That would have been me. 
You see what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's so easy to get caught up in the web of works and trying to be better than somebody else, which is what I'm going to talk about today, comparing our lives with somebody else's life. Every now and then, I look at some preachers that I go, wow, they seem really nice and somewhat normal, and, and then there's me. <laughs> I look and go, I think I'd like, I, I wonder what it'd be like to be like that person. You know what I'm saying? I mean, their hair and their, the way they talk and walk, and, and, and they just, they just kind of have this, it's like what I call nerd Christianity. <laughs> the whole world can't relate. It's the Steve Urkel of faith. <laughs> I mean, there are times I don't even feel saved, much less called. Because I stand up here on Sunday mornings, and I, I, I just like, I go home sometimes. I can't even go to sleep. I'm exhausted, and I'm thinking, why did I say that? And, and God just laughs. You say, how do I know? Because that's what I, how I want to see him. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Mark, you're messing. You're just messing with the whole world, aren't you? Whatever world that is, you're man. And you know, I, I I don't try. I this is me, you know. And I've had to accept me. Uh, you know, see, some of y'all, you accept you way too much. You're not as cool as you think you are. But I've had to look at. I have to accept me. And sometimes I don't even. I think, what, 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 God, what were you thinking? Did you run out of kindness or something? With, because you know, you drive stupid around me. I'm honking. That's how come I don't have a mosaic sticker on my car. I don't want to be a bad testimony. Look, he goes to Mosaic. No, that's the pastor. <laughs> just honking for Jesus. I just swore to it I saw a honk for Jesus bumper sticker on your car. I was just honking at you. Okay. So it says that we aren't perfectly virtuous. Christ must therefore be an accessory to sin, question mark. The accusation is frivolous. If I was trying to be good, I would be rebuilding the same old barn that I tore down. I would be acting as a charlatan. What, what actually took place is this. I tried keeping the rules and working my head off to please God, and it didn't work. So I quit being a lawman, in quotes, so that I could be God's man, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am not going to go back on that. It is not clear to you. Is it not clear to you that religion would be an abandonment of everything personal and free in my relationship with God. I refuse to do that to repudiate God's grace. If a living relationship with God could come by rule keeping, then Christ died unnecessarily. Now, again, 
I don't want people who feel like you can just do anything you want, say anything you want, be as rude as you want, to think that this is a license for your stupidity, because it's not. If you really love God, and you really are loved and realize you are loved by God, because you are, you don't want to hurt other people. You don't want to do wrong. Your heart's desire is obedience to God and to, to be a reflection of who He is. It's born out of your heart and not your mind. It's giving your heart to God and allowing Him to rule. So what happens is in the story of the prodigal, going back to Luke chapter 15, the older brother, the younger brother, brother, grace, religion. And the older brother was very religious, came to his father, told him everything he had done as to compare himself with the little brother who had done totally the opposite of the older brother who stayed on the farm, helped the father, did everything he was supposed to do, doing it right, and he comes and he doesn't Say, Father, I had nothing to do with being born first. I'm just thankful to you that I get to be the heir of everything, and I'll be the steward of it all. No, he comes and tries to tell the Father, I'm better than my little brother, and I've done everything. I deserve the farm that is going to be mine when you die. My parents didn't have much, but they did have a little, and I I told my brothers at one point when everything happened, you know how death is and all of the sorting out of things. And I, I, you know, there were, I was going through a real rough patch and we were having some struggles because I was in a rough patch and I wasn't able to do much. I was focusing on getting healed myself. And, and I had a conversation. I love my brothers. They're, they're good guys. But, but in the midst of trying to work things out, they were discussing the allocation of what was left of my mom and dad's and and at, at really basically at the end of the conversation it was this and at the time I had I was I had five churches and two continents and however many states and thousands of people and I, I was just running crazy and my life was a mess and uh and, and one comment came that well you know you really haven't done as much as us what they didn't know after I finally told them all the things I had done for mom and dad without telling them, I bought them stuff. I put them on the Internet. I was doing all this stuff without even telling my brothers that I was personally funding. And I said, I tell you what. I said, if you guys can sleep at night, you take whatever you want because I'm going to sleep. You see, and it, I don't think they were being bad. I think it was just a really good test for me. Matter of fact, God might have been using them. He really might have been. I, I don't blame them at all. And, and they're really, like I said, good guys. And it was just a moment of conflict that I could have gotten up in arms, and I'm not boasting about this, but it was a moment for me to see who God was to me. See, God's not your resource. God is your source. That money that was supposed to be mine was simply a resource that came from the source. And when you know the source, you don't worry about resource. Now, that is, if you're walking in obedience, it doesn't mean you're good. How many know there's some mean people who obey God? They're just mean to other people, but they give, they tithe, they go to church, they do all that, but they're just mean by nature. I mean, that's just kind of who they are. Kiss real quiet. <laughs> I know what you're wanting to say. You're wanting to elbow your spouse. Listen to him right now. 
I'm just stirring the pot, getting everything off the bottom. <laughs> we'll see what's in this soup, baby. Comparing ourselves with others is a spiritual cancer which eats up love and contentment. It is actually a sign of our own insecurity and feelings of inferiority. The author poetically warned us not to be proud of race, face, or place. Pride comes before the fall. You know, we talk a lot about being proud and all that. You know, I, honestly, I'm just so proud of Jesus and so thankful he included me. He even put a book in the Bible named after me. I'm just saying. Some of y'all can't say that, can you, Lucy? <laughs> Lucy chapter 1. <laughs> God help us if there's a second, Lucy. <laughs> anyway. Insecurity creates and reveals a goat mentality. That's what the older brother, you didn't even give me a goat. Humility and grace win the fatted calf. People of works in comparison will settle for a goat, not a fat calf. Hal Lindsay said, For me to fail to forgive and give grace to myself or anyone else who has offended me is to imply that I have a higher standard of forgiveness than God. Because whatever it is that has so hurt me that I can't forgive it, God already has. Now, the key there to me, and this is one of, historically been one of my greatest faults, it was easier for me to forgive other people and extend grace to other people than to myself. Why? Because I thought I was smart enough to not be stupid. Have you ever talked to yourself? Sure you have. Don't lie. And there are times I do something to go, why did I do that? Have you ever done that? Or do you just go, it's just normally me. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy, if, if I drop my phone, why did I drop my phone? I, I've got a grip on my phone. Now, some of y'all, you've had six phones in the last year. And we tell one of our sons, get a screen protector. Duh. But he keeps breaking his phone. We're like, we, you know, well, that doesn't... Yeah. So, if you're going to give grace, you must possess grace. And grace begins with you. You must have grace on yourself. You see, because honestly, and this is the tragedy of Christianity, is that when you hurt someone by your behavior, it's very difficult for a person who doesn't possess grace to extend grace to you. Now, trust me, I have no issue being corrected when somebody sees something that is going to damage me. So if, if somebody says something to me that I know they love me, I want them to speak truth to me because we all have blind spots. And, and it, it does I don't always like it, but I appreciate it. And so when I talk about grace, I, sometimes grace has a strong voice. 
Sometimes grace is, I love you so much that I'm going to tell you that if you keep doing this, this is going to damage you. That's grace. Because what you're, you're not saying, if you don't stop, I'm out of here. What you're saying is, I believe in you, and you're going to destroy your life if you keep this up. And that at some point, that may distance you from that person. But the reality is, the goal of any relationship is grace not only covers, but grace empowers. So, a lot of people only use grace to cover their intentional stupidity. I like to use grace to empower me to keep me from my stupidity. And I like to have other people tell me. Now, some people, they feel like that their call in life is they, they have the ministry of correction. And can I tell you something? That ain't an office in the church, and that ain't a gift from God. Some people just feel like they got to walk around and fix the world. I can't fix the world. I have a hard time fixing me. I tell Susan all the time, I said, you know what? I, I, I can't even think about fixing you. I got so many things broken in my life that I don't have enough tools. I need the Holy Spirit because <laughs> I just can't fix myself sometimes. Now, and, and so if you feel bad about who you are or maybe you feel bad about who you're not, be glad about who he is because he takes care of all. He covers our weakness. Love covers a multitude of sin. Now, please don't miss this because here's the reality. When you make a mistake, if people love you, what they will try to do first is to privately address your sin. That's what the Bible says. If you see your brother in sin, go to him privately. If he listens, you've won a brother. And then second, you go to a group. And then the third thing, it goes to the church. That's the last thing. But that's the first thing that happens in our faith in Christianity. Let's just wipe that person out. Let's humiliate them. I mean, that's just the way it works because that's what religion does. The best thing that we can do to help other people, the very first thing we can do is love them enough to say, man, let's get this fixed quietly. I know stuff on so many people, I could destroy half the world. <laughs> no, I ain't telling you. I, I found out at one time about a situation, and I have not told. <laughs> I was like, I don't even want to know this. But the question was, what do I do? Here's what I, knowledge I have. And I said, do nothing but love. <laughs> And you know what? It all worked out. This was years ago. And see, a religious person would have said they should pay the price, but Jesus paid the price, and you give opportunity for Jesus to pay that instead of charging somebody else what he's already paid for. You know, and it's, it's difficult because, you know, there are times, and in, in, in my situation, I couldn't be more thankful for all the hell I went through. Because I'm going to tell you something. It changed Mark Crow. I am a different person. I am a happy person. I am a fulfilled person. I hated it. Wouldn't want to do it again. But let me tell you something. That was the grace of God in my life. And, you know, I, I could be bitter. I could be angry. I could be a lot of things. Do I think everything in my life was handled right? Absolutely not. But I know one thing. Whatever was mishandled, God will take care of me. 
That's all. Because if you're expecting somebody else to fix whatever they broke or you broke or what should have been broke, and religious people say, should have had it work, just go to hell, yeah, yeah, disappear. I'm just going to nickname myself Corona. I ain't ever going away. Because it's, it's here to stay. It's like the common cold and the flu, baby. If you think corona's ever going away, they'll be bottling this for years to come. Some of you got it. <laughs> All you real sweet people, what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh. So. I'm going to read this in closing. It's, it, I've read it before, but it's still one of my favorite. It's just one of my favorite things ever. Some of you will remember it. Some of you weren't listening the last time I did it anyway. <laughs> and if I did it last week, you'd go, that was so good this week. Yeah, you were snoring. You're worried about permissiveness. This is what religious people, you're worried about permissiveness, about the way the preaching of grace seems to say it's okay to do all kinds of terrible things as long as you walk in afterward and take the free gift of God's forgiveness. While you and I may be worried about seeming to give permission, Jesus apparently wasn't. He wasn't afraid of giving the prodigal son a kiss instead of a lecture, a party instead of probation. And he proved he proved that by bringing in the elder brother at the end of the story and having him raise pretty much the same objections as religious people do. He's angry about the party. He complains that his father is lowering standards and ignoring virtue. That music, dancing, and fat and calf are, in effect, just so many permissions to break the law or the rules. And to that, Jesus has the father say only one thing. Cut that out. We're not playing good boys and bad boys anymore. Your brother was dead, and he's alive again. The name of the game from now on is resurrection, not bookkeeping. That is a... Or as my author friend used to say, pregnant pause, huge pause. And I'm sure that was politically incorrect. <laughs> I did learn years ago, never ask a woman if she's pregnant. Enough said. So now you can compare me with whoever else you've heard preach. You know, understanding the love of God and the grace of God releases us to have laughter in God. And I'm not saying that life shouldn't be taken seriously, but most people take it way too seriously. I'm doing the math on, on living, and, you know, when you... You know, some people say, you know, you're having a midlife crisis. Then you ask people, what is midlife? <laughs> you know, it, it changes as you get older. Midlife changes. 
really does. You know, right now, if I said I was at midlife, that means I would outlive anybody on earth. I'd be the oldest living creature. And how, think about a boy, who's going to celebrate you? Everybody you knew was dead. All the new people are going, so what? You're 125. <laughs> All the people that you, you were mad at and are mad at you, they're dead. There's no rejoicing in that. I think I want to die before them. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. So, I don't know if you measure your life by hockey periods or basketball. <laughs> Some of you all are in the third period, and that means your life's almost over. I'm going with basketball. I want four quarters. <laughs> but even if that's the case, I'm approaching the last quarter. <laughs> And if I was going to do an open casket, I, you know, I would probably tell the guy fixing me, I want you to put a joker-sized smile on my face. <laughs> and a note on my chest that said, I beat you there. <laughs> and really confuse the people that are going to hell. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and really irritate the people that think they're going to heaven. You might want to stick around. I think it's going to get good. I'm feeling like 11 o'clock. I'm feeling it right now. You know, in the midst of this, shouldn't you be able to go to church and enjoy church and have a good time? I've gone to churches before when I left. I was like, dear God, I took an Ambien. <laughs> Praise God. See you next week. Yeah, that's exciting. That's where I want to be. First church of the chosen frozen. I'd rather attend St. Mattress Cathedral. But anyway, let's pray. God, you're awesome. Thanks for putting up with me. And thank you. Yeah, not too loud. God, I do thank you for you i thank you for all these people thank you for everybody watching online god christianity and those who are christians ought to be the happiest people on planet earth and yet we have christians today that are worried and fearful just like people who don't know you what's going to happen when's it going to happen how's it going to happen there's so many fears in the world that we lose sight of the moment that we have today the life that we have today and God, I just, I just know that regardless of what's going on around us, it cannot compare with the one who lives within us. And so, Lord, may your presence in us first be known to us. And if it's known to us, then I believe that we'll reflect that to other people. It will be revealed to them. So, Lord, may we live like people who have faith. May we live like people who know that death is not the end. May we live like people that have no fear. Because your word says you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So, Lord, today we don't compare with other people. We don't compare with anything or anybody, Lord. Our, we submit to you and your work on the cross. We submitted people. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to pray a simple prayer that will make a profound difference in your life. 
for those of you who are not born again and those of you that feel like you've walked away from God and maybe today's message has given you hope that that God does love you regardless of how you've lived your life and how many addictions you're fighting and how many struggles you have uh, here's my thing if a person's still seeking God and fighting through that's a person I want to be in the foxhole with not the perfect person who thinks they can do no wrong because that's the first wrong to think you can do no wrong so I want us to pray this prayer everyone in here all of you watching online pray this with me say father God thank you so much for loving me so much that you sent your only son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sin Jesus thank you for giving your life for me today I give my life to you I call on your name therefore I am saved thank you Jesus amen now if you prayed that prayer I want to ask you to text the word saved to the same number only put saved 405-513-10 saved 405-513-10 please don't wait to do this uh, and, and there will always be people let me warn you once you say well you know I'm a Christian and they begin then to see you through different lenses they start measuring and judging you against religious behavior instead of spiritual salvation that comes through Christ and it will discourage you I remember being discouraged because I tell you what I, I didn't act much like a Christian for quite a while after I got saved because I had so much of the world on me and some people say you still don't to which I say you religious judgmental individual God loves you and I'm trying anyway so you know, it's, it's, it's hard in a world that has an expectation of behavior that even the world doesn't have. But they expect you to because you say you're born again. And, and certainly, the reason I would expect it for you is because of what comes as a result of obeying God. And, and the, the, what, the blessings of God that come out of that obedience. That's what I want. But I, I don't obey God to try to impress God. I obey God because I love God, and I also know that the rewards of that obedience. And, and again, religious people hate it when you say, well, you know, you just do this because. No, I do it because I love God, but I'm sure thankful, he says, and if you do these things, here's what you get. And the only reason he does that, because people that, that don't understand it wouldn't appreciate it, and they wouldn't value it. There's a high value on what he's done. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.